You don't want to kill me. I'm your best friend. Besides, who's going to give you a reach around? What is this? Have you gone soft, my little savage? Well, I, uh, I, I bet he wouldn't try to knock you off. Welcome everyone to Back in My Day. My name's David Petrangelo and this week the not-so-stereotypical millennials are going to be breaking down something new. Um, breaking down covers a whole lot of different ways to describe New but old at the same time. New but old. Um, it's uh, We're just going to be talking about the Snyder Cut because all the cool kids are doing it so we're joining the club. That's basically what it's going to come down to. So um, you just heard him there and we also have another guest as well uh, joining me this week. Michael R. Power. And Ian Walter. Gentlemen, welcome back. Um, I think there's a, a, a decent amount to sort of break down with this movie. Um, or I guess kind of movies, because we could, we'll probably talk about both versions a little bit here and there. But um, Ian, let's start with you. Let's just start with like brief, you know, minute, two minute sort of overall feelings of, uh, of the movie itself, of the, of the Snyder Cut, the four hour um, epic of the Snyder Cut. So what would you think? Yeah, uh, I think going into it, we had mentioned our anticipation for the Snyder Cut and, and what we expected to get out of it. And really, I was, I think this whole time trying to just temper this hype train and not get too uh, invested in what we might get from it. Um, and on that note, I was pleasantly surprised. I think, uh, yes, we have a four hour cut of a film. So you would like to think that you could get a lot more of your story across in that time frame mm-hmm. as opposed to a two hour film. But uh, I think the the key takeaway from the Snyder cut is just that, you know, at the end of the day, we got to see Zack Snyder's vision um, sort of unfold as, as close to as what he would have intended in 2017, had he been able to finish the film and not have, uh, WB pursue Joss Whedon to uh, to get the film finished. So I think it's just uh, it's overall, in my opinion, a vast improvement of what we got in 2017. I know I was personally let down from what we got from that, despite what the issues were in production. It just felt like a hodgepodge Frankenstein's monster, if you will, uh, which is ironic because uh, the Frankenstein's monster character, who was the heart of this film, got sub- like extremely sidelined in the original release, theatrical release. So I'm talking about Cyborg. Uh, that was probably my biggest like redemption uh, that to come out of this film was just having a, a cohesive storyline for one of the key members of the Justice League that kind of didn't really get his due in 2017. So yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at with the Snyder Cut. Yeah, fair enough. Mike, what about you, man? Yeah, I think I can sum up my feelings pretty quickly, which is better but still bad. <laughs> That's basically how I feel better than the original, but still a bad movie, but um, not a bad movie because of the reasons the other one is a bad movie. The other one is a bad movie because it's a mess and it's, it's, you know, you can tell it. Yeah. Like Ian said, it's a hodge, hodgepodge. You can see the obvious rewrites and reshoots and the story doesn't make sense or anything like that. In this one, at least, you know, the storyline makes sense. Every character gets an arc. I just don't like Zack Snyder's interpretation of the characters. 
mm. to me, then that's really why I will never be on board with his version of DC EU. And that's really why I can't like the movie because just, I just don't feel like he understands what makes Superman a good character. Um, and every character has to be this tortured soul and dark, everything's dark and depressing and Superman always has to be evil. And I just cannot get on board with his, with his interpretation of, of DC characters. So, um, but that, that being said, you know, he is a really good fil- filmmaker, especially visually. So the visuals are awesome and the action scenes are, are really, really cool. And um, I was going to say like, you know, the story is, is better and like, you know, cyborg stories in there, but you know, it's four hours versus two hours. So it's kind of like saying a book that's twice as long as another book has more words in it. You know, it's pretty obvious that he gets more time to like <laughs> tell his story and stuff, but that in this, in, at the same time, it's very indulgent and I feel like he's up his own ass a lot in certain parts of it. And so that kind of like I'm talking specifically about the end of the last 15 minutes. So there's things like that that yeah, also we'll get to me that about part it for sure. So yeah. yeah, altogether better, still bad, still enjoyed, kind of enjoyed the experience of watching it, but it comes down to me not liking his interpretation, which is fair. Everyone, you know, he's hired to make the movie and do his interpretation. I just don't agree with it. And I don't enjoy that interpretation of, of these characters. So that's just my, maybe my personal uh, preference coming through, but yeah, overall just, that's how I thought about it. That's, that's fair, man. Um, I am, I'm not positive on this movie in almost any way. (laughs) Um, the first one, like we've said, it was uh, was a complete mess for a whole bunch of reasons. I am glad the cyborg stuff works a lot more. I'm glad that it's even in this fucking movie because, like, wh- was he even in the first, like, the fir- original version? Like, he was just sort of there, and you're kind of figuring out briefly. After, like, a brief snippet of who he is, you kind of lose him the rest of the movie. And now he's, like... He's really like the the hook of this of this movie and of the way that the script is written, um, which I think Snyder said back a couple years ago or something like that. He really wanted. Well, his storyline was cut for time, so Joss Whedon was hired and had to basically fit the movie in two hours. And yeah, the only way to do that was to cut one of the characters, and unfortunately, that's had to be Cyborg. So. Yeah, and it's a shame because I think his is the most to, to be able to introduce a character like that. I think it's it's you need to give him more time. Right. So that's, and like, like you said, Mike, it's double the length, you know, there's double the amount of words mm-hmm. in this book. So of course there's going to be more time to do it. Yeah. So, it, you know, I'm just glad that's in there to me. That was probably as much as I don't, I don't love again, the inter- interpretation of the characters and stuff. I still think that the cyborg stuff gave the movie a little bit more um, reality or life or something. So um, I, I can, I can basically say that I, I, I wrote, I wrote this down because I watched this in one sitting. I don't know about you guys, but I watched this oh. in one sitting like a crazy person. I started this at eight o'clock and I did not shut it off. I did the same thing. Yeah. Did you? Okay. So we're crazy. Mike's the reasonable one here. Fair, I mean, well, you, don't, you don't guys don't have kids. So that's basically that's true. That's true. I just sat in bed. Three nights. I sat in bed for four hours and I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I had to go get a drink at one point. Um, but uh, basically, I wrote down that uh, three hours into this, the Chromecast on the TV asked me, hey, are you still there? And <laughs> catching up on some Zs. I actually, and I wrote Burn. down, I actually Chromecast. had a hard time answering those questions. 
<laughs> like it's just before all the big action set pieces at the end start start going. So you know, and I and I didn't hit pause or whatever. It's one of those like Netflix. Are you still watching? Like one of those things. So I get it. But it actually was sort of like this this great way of asking: Am I even watching this movie right now, or am I just sitting in front of a screen that happens to have images on it? Like that's <laughs> what I felt like I was doing for fucking three hours and you know i had i i hit play and just kept going i didn't stop so that's (laughs) i just kept watching it but i i feel like the movie is definitely better i feel like um because there's more time though that's the problem the problem is there's more time so that's why it's better because they give everything that was cut out breathing room and And it's the original script which all of the scenes that joss whedon came in to stitch together or were shot for. So it's so, it's so obvious that it's the better movie. Like there's no way in hell it's going to be a worse movie because it's, it's the script that the scenes were shot for and it's what everything was supposed to be like. Yeah. So obviously mm-hmm. it's better than the abomination of someone coming in three quarters of the way, changing the script, doing, you know what I mean? Like obviously it's better. Like it's, there's no way it was to be better. Yeah. Yeah. I was also trying to find a way to say that like, like to me, the, the script is the biggest issue. It's not the action scenes. It's not the actors. It's just the way that the story is laid out. The fact that even in four hours, they still don't really explain what these boxes are or where they came from. And they have a couple scenes to sort of like fill in the gaps, but it's still very confusing for the first hour and a half, which is crazy to say. But like you, mm-hmm. you only really get it when they get to that fight scene with that takes place 5,000 years ago or whatever, which to me was kind of cool. So I like that. But that aside sweet. from that, until that point, you're kind of like, what the fuck is happening? Why is it in his fucking closet? Like what is going on here? All of that stuff was so confusing to me. And I, I just, I couldn't get past the fact that they had so much time and how much of it was spent watching Lois walk slow motion with a coffee in her hand. And right. And Flash putting a hot dog in his pocket. I was like, okay. That's what like, I'm saying when I'm saying it was uh, self-indulgent. Like he knew he had kind of limited time. So he's literally throwing everything in it and yeah. drawn out scenes that would never ever be in any theatrical cut of any movie whatsoever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like mm-hmm. like like the people, the Scandinavian woman singing that two-minute song for Aquaman. What the hell was that? Like that? What was that? <laughs> it's just because he could. It wasn't going to theaters, right? And that's it. Well, well, that's that's a good point, Mike, is that the way I look at it is there is an ideal world where you get the best version of this movie, which is a three-hour cut of the yeah. Snyder cut where he actually tried to push it to theaters. Um, and, but, you know, WB had, back in 2017, despite all the other things that were going on, the great, like, Snyder's tragedy and, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, bringing which can't Joss really Whedon. Ignored, yeah. Right, like they 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 were very adamant that it needed to be a two-hour movie, and that's not the movie that Zack Snyder was making at all. So it was always going to be a disaster. Um, and I think that there's something to be said for, you know, he initially wanted to make five films in the DCEU that all kind of connected with one another, and maybe you could argue that if you had three Justice League films, that some of these plot holes or unexplained threads. Um, would be touched upon in the latter installments. If you're looking at it from a trilogy angle, uh, maybe he would have wrapped it in a bow by the second or third film. Yeah, most likely. So, I mean, yes, like, 
in a world where he's just getting to realize his vision, he doesn't see a point of leaving anything out on the cutting room floor. He's just giving us everything that he had. Yeah. Like I, um, I wrote down cornucopia. That's what this was. Right. It was just like toss a bunch of shit <laughs> in a thing and just sort of try to find a way to mesh it all together. And at points I, I found that at points, the story just lost itself in multiple yeah. ways. And again, that's the script thing. And like you said, there's, there's, there was more that was planned for this and everything. And it See, is my, a shame. Yeah. My issues with this movie aren't the same as yours, Dave, actually the script for me, like the story is fine. I actually kind of like it. And I just, maybe I'm bored because I'm conditioned. I know what mother boxes are. I've seen mil- them in millions of DC things. Instantly know what they are. I love seeing dark side. I love seeing that war you're talking about. I love that Steppenwolf actually, it made sense what he was doing. And he's he, they definitely more story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the story to me is, it wasn't an issue, but it was fundamentally to me, it's about how he portrays the characters, especially Superman and Batman, yeah. which I'm, which I'm not into. It's just, I'm not into that. I'm not into the like, I'll fucking kill you Batman. Oh. You know what I mean? Which is a line yeah. Batman says in this movie. Like, I'm just not into that. Which is or, fair, and you're and you're referencing the worst part of the film, but uh, sure. or his obs- his obsession with treating Superman as like a threat and a villain, and not right. a, not not Superman to him is not a symbol of hope from humanity. It's a symbol of terror and fear. Uh, yeah, of or, or like risk. that's what Superman or is. There's a him. risk to having Superman. That that he's the ultimate like thing that yeah. could kill humanity. Like the, he doesn't. It's whereas the Superman character is actually quite the opposite. Right, he's supposed mm. to be the ultimate symbol of hope. And just like, I can't get over that Superman is so dour and he's always the threat and he's always like <laughs> the, the thing that has to be take, neutralized. And it's like the end of the movie, it was just like, come on. Like, yeah. So along the way, like the way that it, it, it starts and sort of like what stands out as um, I guess for both of you guys, what stands out as the like a scene? Let's let's go like maybe like pick a scene that we kind of all liked that that was there because there's it's not all bad like we've said like it's not no. all bad it definitely still looks cool like the action scenes like you said mike earlier are still very well done the, and scene, like the, the, the fight scene of dark side when he first came to earth and like i love people probably have a huge problem with the anti-life equation because they don't know what it is or what makes sense it's not explained but i love the fact that the anti-life equation is in this movie because i i just I, I, from the comic books and from the grant morrison interpretation like i know what the anti-life equation is and i just the fact that's in a movie and they're uttering those words, I just love that. So I love the thing of Dark Side, uh, or, um, coming to Earth and being fought by like all the generations of heroes and like Zeus and Green Lanterns are there and like that scene was just awesome. That was so wicked. I gotta say, I think the anti life equation is definitely something that he might have touched on in a in a future film if mm-hmm. he had the chance. Oh, yeah. yeah, it sounds but, like that was a setup. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I gotta say, it didn't really make a whole lick of sense when you think about. You know, I, I don't know the the deep lore behind, but again, I don't think it's on me to know these things. I think like you should be explaining to your audience what's going on. And so I don't really understand how Euxus or Darkseid in that 5,000 year old war completely forgot about Earth, even though he said he's conquered hundreds of thousands of planets and whatever. And if he found exactly. the anti-life I, equation, <laughs> then that would be the only important planet to conquer. Like I don't you would understand. immediately want to come back to that. I'll explain to you guys the interpretation. So he, so, so he got hold to on, hold on, Mike. So like that's that's fine. That's fine that there's an explanation to it. But with Mike, I, I think Ian's right. Within this movie, they don't say that. He just says, oh, "I found it," 
I'm like he's trying to just trying to do good by by uh, Dark Side, right? That's what Steppenwolf's trying to do. He's trying to redeem yeah. himself. Which okay, like you said, is cool. I, I like that. That's sort of like an interesting thing for. It's way better than the Mama's Boy Steppenwolf we got. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, terrible. I mean, like he's sort of beat down, even though he's super powerful. Like I find that interesting. Like he's he's like third or fourth in line in power, but he's still so strong. I think that's cool. But yeah, there's no explanation as to why for five thousand years this guy just has a fucking brain fart. Like it's like, <laughs> no, no, no. Are you I, kidding? I, that's what it seemed like to me. I'm I just like. <laughs> I think it's clear in the it's clear in the movie that he dark side is he's searching for the anti-life equation that's his like ultimate goal and in the in the way so he's going planet to planet conquering them all right but he okay. get, he yeah. somehow gets to earth he finds the anti-life equation but he's defeated and thrown back to his home planet but he doesn't know yeah. there's so many planets out there there's infinite planets out there <laughs> so he's not so? quite sure where earth is but he's he's the during those 5000 years he's searching for earth he's searching but for he was equation. already there but he, but he <laughs> got sent back. Use so universe, you, use one the, line of dialogue could have helped with that. I'm saying, but like, and then when Steppenwolf found it, he's like, "Oh, I found. Uh, he's found the planet that Darkseid's been searching for for five thousand years. That's why Darkseid's been going planet to planet, conquering them." He's looking. No, for I Earth. understand that they're going from. I can under. Yeah. I, it was. It was actually fine until they said, "Hey, this is where it was, all along, and you've already been here." Like that's what bothered me. Just say that it wasn't here initially, or something like that. Like why? But he knew, like he knew it was on Earth, but he got defeated. So I don't know. They, well, they that's they, my... they retreated. It looked like they retreated. I could be wrong, but it looked like they retreated. No, he got taken out. He got like stabbed by Zeus. Oh yeah, you're right. Right, right. And back they had to drag and, yeah. him away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also right. on a Wonder Woman note, interesting to see Ares is the one that kind of defeated him initially. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. So that was it's cool. cool. Said, like you said, I, yeah. I, I really and that like was that David Thewlis. He came back. I saw his name. I was like, he's in this. So yeah, they Ares and, back. Ares and yeah. Zeus yeah. was kind of cool that they were sort of brought into it and stuff. The Green Lantern character, whoever that was supposed to be, was was cool yeah. which also would have been a cool character to have in the movie but uh... i want to take a quick second to just explain like what from a story standpoint where i like this choice and where i really i think it kind of doesn't work yeah and we kind of touched on it just now but uh for me i leading up to this i watched man of steel which i've always really loved uh it came out in 2013 i thought it was like despite the whole angle of superman killing zod at the end like i thought there was a lot of good world building there and it was a really i thought it was a fantastic movie it's probably the strongest out of the three right so here snyder is starting off his universe and planning to make five films and he wanted to do a batman one with affleck and he wanted to do you know three justice league films or whatever in batman versus superman dawn of justice so i watched man of steel i watched bbs i've always had issues with bbs but I was kind of just, I wanted to watch them sort of, because this kind of essentially makes it a trilogy. I never felt like it was a trilogy with 2017's Justice League. It just didn't feel connected enough. Yeah. And where that this movie succeeds is it, it, it is Zack Snyder's continuation of those two films. It is his, like, even if he doesn't get to go on and finish all five, it is his culmination of what he started with Man of Steel and, you know, everything, right? So, so that's all good stuff and um you know i i did enjoy this more than i enjoyed batman versus superman um and there's a lot to like from batman versus superman it just kind of falls apart towards the end i, f I find but that's kind of where this is with me is like it kind of does drag on and sure he tacked on stuff at the end like that epilogue but 
I do appreciate that there's six parts and that can kind of help you pace it out when you're watching and yeah, figure yeah, out like what's going on. We paced it out. Uh, in, in <laughs> <laughs> we definitely paced um, it out. Yeah. And, and the epilogue, like it really, it's, it just leaves more questions than answers or oh, anything. But I mean, it, we can tackle also, that if you want. I, we I have just... to talk about it because I have a bit of opinion on, on the epilogue. Yeah. Like I think, I think I understand that he was just kind of like, he was basically throwing stuff out for the diehard fans that won't. I have a different opinion get. of that even. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Guys, what? Yeah. What's what's up? Yeah. No, I'll let you fin- finish his. Well, no, I was just, I was just saying that like, I just thought I felt that this version of the film, it actually launches the entire trilogy into the conversation, at least of great trilogies of all time. Not, not, not that it's up there in like maybe even top five, but, <laughs> It's much more of a cohesive trilogy now where you have, I, I, I would say that the only downside to Zack Snyder's style is there's no subtlety or nuance with him. He's very heavy handed. So the, one of the things that I really didn't like about Batman vs Superman was at the very end, he just had to show the audience or maybe it was the studio, but he had to show the audience that, you know, the dust was kicking up in, in Superman's grave. Body's not even cold. But yeah, sure, he's lifting the dust to show you that he's still alive. Like, it's it's really ridiculous. And it, that doesn't even work with the way that they bring him back anyways. So, yeah, oh, my God, like, I have such a problem it, with that scene. Oh, my God. So just to let you know, don't it's, worry. Soups is coming back for Justice League. Like, you got to yeah. give the audience a little bit more credit. You got to, like, you know what I mean? You don't have to spoon feed every little detail. And then we get to Justice League, either version, and it's like, yeah, you're going to bring him back. We kind of knew that was happening. You didn't have to tell us the end of Batman versus Superman that it was going to happen. And, and with this version especially, you almost have two films. You really do. Oh, you definitely do. And, yeah. and that first film is without Superman, which I thought would have been ingenious if they had never teased his return. It's just like right. they're dealing with this Justice League thing post-Superman. And then, you know, come the end of the first film slash start of the second, we start to explore the idea of bringing him back. I mean that's that is a way more of like you know better storytelling than yeah. Before we get to, I agree. I definitely agree. It, it, before we get to the epilogue thing, I that the bringing back Superman thing, I just I have to just say was just so goddamn stupid the way they did it. It's like the this the it's the small things that added up to a really stupid way of doing it. One, I it, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't pretty much everyone know that he's Superman? And that he's buried there, and they just put him like two feet underground. Like, <laughs> wouldn't they want to like do something with that body, like they did with Vision, for example? You know, like some version so, of that. So I will say that I don't think that the public, the general public, knows yeah. about Clark Kent. I just okay. think that it's like they had that ceremonial, uh, yeah, funeral okay. for Superman, but it was like his loved ones that actually buried him, and and it's not like public knowledge. Right. Right. Okay, so that so that's fair. I, I totally get that they didn't really know the public didn't really know who he was, but then they're digging him up. Aquaman and Wonder Woman are having a fucking tea over there by the truck, doing what, first of all? And then Flash literally says, you know, we could do this in a nanosecond. And then Cyborg's like, Yeah, we could. And then they don't. Right. Like, time is of the essence, and these guys are standing there. Not I think they were digging up. up the mother box, not Superman. And Superman's no. body was in the lab. And it no, they ice. were digging up Superman. No, they were digging up Superman. But I, yeah. I think the line of dialogue could have been extended to include a line about respect for 
his sure, body or something, but they didn't do that. They just kind of no, he's like, we could do this be... in a nanosecond, which is true. Oh, the lab was to get him into the ship. I remember. Now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, they had to get him into the into the, the Krypton ship. Yeah. I liked I like what Superman came back and fought the Justice League. I just I don't know, because that's a cool thing to see. I don't know. That, that scene's kind of cool. The Flash kind of tries to go around him and he watches him. And, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that, that's kind of cool. Yeah. To your point, Mike, again, like that, the visuals are incredible. The in action and the visuals. I think it's great. it's more yeah. so like, you know, we're in, unfortunately, we're, and I'm always going to admit that I'm biased towards Marvel because I'm a Marvel fan way well over than I am a DC fan in terms of the comics. But still, I want to see, you know, the best movie that, cool that can be put out. Yeah. And I think we're just a little spoiled in this day and age with good storytelling where now we're not just looking for the, oh, t- t- you know, the fast and furious of the world where you can just turn your brain off and watch the action. Like, yeah, there's, there is something to be said for that, but I think that he's going for a lot more with this justice, his version of justice league. So, well, to me, being a fan works both ways. Cause like, yeah, you want, you want to love it, but it also means that your expectations are so much higher. And when they don't do the thing that you want, then you like it even less. So like, that's why my problem with these movies, cause I don't like the direction and what they did with these characters. Right. So I like it even less than maybe, some random person who had no connection to the characters because yeah, they don't fair. know that that this is not how you know superman is supposed to be portrayed or at least in my opinion yep so yeah um i, I was gonna I, I, something else but i can't remember now anyways oh, yeah. go on no, we're, we're jumping all over that's a problem yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah no i think oh um, i know i was gonna bring up i was gonna ask if you guys think like the fatal flaw of this justice league movie which i think is the fatal flaw and the main reason why it's never going to succeed is that they didn't do what Marvel did and take the time to introduce these characters in their own movies. And then you have to do the heavy lifting of introducing Flash and Cyborg and, well, in Batman v Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman in well, these like, team-up movies. Aquaman. And Aquaman, sorry, and Aquaman. Aquaman, Aquaman too, right? yeah. Flash and Cyborg, you have to introduce them all in the one movie. And so like when a studio or when a movie has to be usually around two, two and a half hours, like it's just so much heavy lifting for your movie to do that it's like, it's set up to fail in a way. And like, it's just DC not having enough hindsight or Warner brothers, not having enough foresight and not having enough patience and just wanting to cash in on that, like money that Marvel's making and rushing their justice league movie. That's really what it comes down to, to me. And, and also picking the wrong director for it. And that's what I think is the issue. So still hope for the future of the DC movies. I think they can do these characters. Right. But that's just my opinion of what the fatal sort of flaw is and why it's sort of like, not up to par with the Marvel movies. Yeah, we can break down every last little scene. We can talk. Mm-hmm. I can talk about the grave digging part. All of that. The fact that this isn't fucking four by three, which is just a whole other <laughs> oh, yeah. stupid. To me, stupid. Like I just, I, I don't, I don't get that. But you're right. I think the root of it comes down to how it was sort of rushed. And when you look back in 2015 or 14, when they were sort of trying to plan all this and get this going just before Wonder Woman came out or just before, you know, this, as Batman versus Superman came out, all that stuff, they're like, oh shit, we got to do the same thing. Like that's where the issue, the issue lies six years ago, seven years ago, right? And then now we're seeing that carry over into a movie that is better than what it was, but still four hours is not enough to make it what it really should be. And that's, that's a big problem for sure. Yeah. At least a couple of films. I think they could have made out of this stuff. Yeah. But, maybe uh, not everyone has to have their individual, maybe cyborg and uh flash could be together in one. Like that's, that's fine. You can pull that off. They're both from 
you know, the city or wherever they're supposed like, I don't know if they're both supposed to be from New York or central city, yeah. central, central, city, city. Sorry, central city. Um, like, you know, like that's, well, actually I guess cyborg is Gotham, right. Cause he plays for the Gotham university mm-hmm. or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just like, I overall felt like I could have watched half that movie. Like I just, yeah. Well, <laughs> again, like, it's inevitable that we're going to be comparing Marvel and DC, even though that's not really the aim. It's just the way that the movies have like Marvel made such a splash in 2008. And, and to some degree DC did as well, but where they, where they differ is DC made this incredible standalone trilogy and Marvel built an expandable universe because even mm-hmm. inside the dark Knight trilogy, it's not a world that you can really mix and match these characters. That's no. true. Um, That's very true. Yeah. Um, so I mean, and then with Zack Snyder, it's like he kind of springboarded off that sort of dark nature, dark yeah. tone of the Dark Knight trilogy. So it, it, I don't know. He he had his take, and I can respect that, and I can follow it consistently across these three films. And with Snyder, he definitely made some stylistic choices. The the four three ratio is one. I think it's close to the IMAX ratio. I don't know if he was trying to. That's what it's this, supposed like, to be. Yeah, big, grandiose like feel to it when you're watching it on the big screen, and and all the characters are coming off uh, from a vertical rather than a horizontal uh, prowess. But because uh, you know his whole thing is he stands by that all of these heroes in DC are very different from the heroes of Marvel in that they're all supposed to be portrayed like gods among men, you know. Uh, whereas like Marvel repeatedly has shown that they want to put. Y- you in the perspective of like the everyman, like anyone can relate to these characters. You're not actually, whether or not you do relate to aspects of the DC characters, I don't think the focus is you're supposed to relate. You're supposed to kind of be in awe of their power. And I think that's one of the things he did really well in all of these films, but uh, specifically Zack Snyder's Justice League is that he really does show their immense capabilities with regards to their power set yeah so they all have yeah. their chance to sort of show that and they all have their sort of like and especially flash towards the end uh sequence yeah, well, actually the the final uh scene the battle was actually awesome like it's yeah. pretty fight. cool yeah like the way they all got to be sort of important in their own way and the every one of them kicking ass and scenes right out of the comic book and batman using the batmobile and taking down parademons and superman like it was all in, in Cyborg and Flash. Having yeah, the only roles, problem... They did it in the other one. Like, it was... I actually was... That's the best part of the movie to me. Yeah, it was It was cool. The only issue I had was like, oh, this is going well. And then, like, the guy, the one demon is, like, up in, in one of the things with, the, with like, the gun, the, the mm. Gatling gun or whatever you want to call it. And he's able to time his shot to shoot Flash. Is he not running at like the speed of sound or something? Like as how is Flash he able to is running that? as fast as faster than he's ever ran. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like what? Ridiculous. Oh, he's like so shooting ridiculous. so much. Like he's watching the same path and like shooting so much that he just gets lucky. Like because he missed probably a thousand. And he missed a bunch of times. Out. Absolutely, it yeah. wasn't just like one shot. But then like he kind of like they show that he kind of stops. And well, that's looks. for dramatic effect, Dave. You know, oh, like you sure. can't just have the Flash just you know not not. Have to and like the weirdest part about that scene was like he heals himself. Like, when has Flash ever been able to heal himself? I don't remember that ever happening. That wasn't set up. I was so confused at that point. I was like, what the hell is going on? But hey, it led to like this awesome scene. So it was I, still I was a, okay. it was still good despite those things. Okay, so then after yeah. that, we have to get to we have to get <laughs> to the epilogue stuff because so 
just before we do, I wanted to yeah. say something about like there there are emotional beats in this film. I don't yes. think that was ever in question, but I think the problem is with the vast length and the jumping around between storylines is that like if every sort of moment, even the action and everything, is like pushed to the max, then there's there's no real way to build to a real emotional moment if that makes sense like not i'm not trying to say that they don't have emotional moments but when they do get to those moments you don't really even in a four-hour cut don't really have time to like really appreciate it if that makes sense that's what blew Um, me away is that there's things like that that felt like they didn't have enough time like wait a second well and then and then you have that great moment between Martha and Lois, and we've seen them interact before in Batman vs Superman and whatever. Oh, and then they turn it into eyes. a Martian Manhunter. And at the time when I saw that, out. I had no idea what was going on. I had no this idea. Is, this is my biggest problem. This, and I'll touch it on it when we touch on the epilogue. But Martian yeah, Manhunter so that that was is... my that was my lead into the epilogue because it involves Martian Manhunter. Yeah, yeah so, so I'll just go into I'll that, just, Mike. I'll just talk about it. the the this the thing that bugs me the most is that. He went in there and added scenes like Martian Manhunter, added the epilogue to, and what I think is true, probably rile up his fan base because he's like this and, and set up a future movie he knows he's not on contract for. He knows Warner Brothers is what he but yet he's setting it up. He's filming new scenes to set it up in this movie to rile up his fan base to try to get them to do the same thing they did to get this movie made. That's what yeah. I think he's doing. And if he can if he can take this opportunity to throw the epilogue in to set up the next movie, then people can start saying release the Snyder sequel and they can yeah. get all riled up again. Ugh. And this, this whole bullshit yeah. about release the Snyder cut can now never go away. Cause now everyone can now demand the sequel because he's set it up. So like he had to go in and add those scenes and just mm. in fury, it's just, they added nothing to the movie. No. Other than setting up a sequel that is supposed to never happen. Right. So in my opinion, all it's doing is riling up, rallying up his fan base that's all it's doing that's an excellent what, what's the, point what's yeah. the purpose of yeah. it if it's not that right it's trying to get him future work in dcu trying to latch on to this these these movies and this pay, this characters and these paycheck or whatever right so that's oh just, I, I i don't disagree with that at all whether that's yeah. whether anyone's actually going to admit that either or not i, I would not yeah. be surprised so, my so my thing with it is that like so the one with the joker scene which is i think is the big one or quote unquote big one, whatever you want to call it. Um is supposed the to be nightmare the nightmare f- sequence. Oh. Sure. Which like, all right. Um call it whatever you want. It's it's dusty. Like it's Mad Max with <laughs> Batman. Like it's it is fucking, real dusty. It's a fucking dusty scene. That's what it is. Um so that's supposed to be the future, right? I think is what we're supposed to be led led to believe, which you know, I figured that out after I watched it. I didn't know what the fuck well, was going on. I read no. it as at, while I watched it until I read stuff the next day or a couple of days after. I read it as bat. That's Batman's premonition that he said he's he told to Wonder Woman about forty five minutes yeah. before that. So, well, was that his dream or was he, he has been having these visions? He had them in Batman vs Superman. Yeah, yeah like with the Flash and Dark Side takes over and sure. commands Superman as his right hand man. Um, so, I mean that the, the precedent is there. It doesn't make it any less well executed. But sure, no, no, absolutely. Anymore, yeah, well I was just, executed, so. I couldn't tell when I watched it at the time if this is actually supposed to be the future or what he's saying is going to be the future, or if it's supposed to be his premonition and this is a version of his dream. Like, like, is this real or is this is this Snyder explaining what that premonition was? 
You know I'll, I'll tell you, and I'll tell you, I read the, like, what the script for the next Justice League and what it, what it oh, is, is, yeah, it's like, oh. Batman, I don't know, <laughs> not the, the highlights of it. His, Release his the power cut. Uh, no, it's not, it's not mine. This wasn't the whole script, sorry. It was the plan. Someone still, else read still. the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, Batman was seeing, I don't know why, I know in Iron Man, it was a very similar thing. Iron Man went through the portal, he saw the vision of Thanos coming and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of thing, and Batman was seeing premonitions of, like, the world taking over and that was fueling him to take down Superman. Right. And there's a scene in Batman versus Superman where the flash shows up and says like Lois yes. is the key. Right. Yes. And Whoa. so that, that nightmare sequence is setting that up because Joker says like you, you didn't Joker's making fun of him saying you didn't do what you needed to do. You didn't protect Lois. And what was going to happen was, um, was uh, Superman was going to go fight dark side in the next movie, leave off world, leave Lois with Batman and under his protection uh, Batman and Lois were going to have an affair and then Lois was going to get killed by like a parademon because Batman didn't save her and that snapped Superman to turn evil and then what was going to happen the was then that. yeah <laughs> and then so Lois died that caused Superman to go evil the whole world's gone to shit eventually ends up with the Flash bringing Superman or bringing Batman back into that time and Batman sacrificing himself to save Lois Superman never goes evil the world is saved that was the arc of Zack Snyder's Justice but, League movies, right? So what's great about so that is he, that it's explained in this movie 100, percent right? <laughs> well, yeah, they added the epilogues to tease yeah, in yeah. the movie, and I don't know. I, Again, I, just, I, I do yeah. sort of understand where he was going with the epilogue. I kind of get like, okay, well, we've got this intention. No, why add an epilogue when you're not on contract and you know you're not making another movie? It makes because zero sense. because he realistically already won. Like he has nothing to lose at this point. That's I, true. I, he has I, nothing I don't, to lose. He's like, fuck I, it. <laughs> like he, I don't he, really he claims. He claims it's because he he will never ever get to film Batman and, and Joker together. And that's yes, the one thing he wanted to do. That's his and honestly, I see like, through it. And I know it's because he, he wants like, If it was executed well, I could see us listening to that point and going, okay, yeah, you make a good point. Like, it just wasn't executed very well. And No, there's no, that's, there's no reason why you do something that doesn't make sense to the movie. This is a movie. You don't just yeah. add a scene in because you wanted to. It doesn't make sense to the story of the movie you're filming. Yeah. The way that I view the epilogue is that it's something that should have occurred after the credits and been a, probably closer to the length of a post credit scene as opposed to an entire 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Um, but, but that having been said, I thought it was kind of ironic though. Like here we have this ridiculous Joker scene. He references... Harley Quinn's death. So they're killing off a character that was debuted in an abysmal movie of uh, Suicide Squad oh. that where where Joker himself or Jared Leto got crushed for his portrayal of Joker, but um, Margot Robbie actually was praised for her portrayal of uh, just to the point where she got her own film in yeah. Harley Quinn. So how are you then going to flip that and kill her off because you want to show this dynamic between Joker and Batman. It makes very little sense. So because that's a future that like exists and gets undone. Right. So. Yeah, I, mean, I know. But like, you're basically, yeah. you're throwing, you're, you're throwing this poor character of Harley Quinn under the bus for your own purposes. And like, you have yeah. no control over that character. Like, it's and what, so, and it's, what future do we get to where Batman fucking kills Joker? Like, well, Jesus. That's the thing. And, and that, that I love how everyone got like, Mike, you mentioned getting pissed off about that, but like yeah. um, realistically he is in a nightmare that's not supposed to uh, come to fruition. So I, I, I don't know. It's like saying you want to kill someone versus actually doing it. The Joker also offers to give him a reach around. So there's oh my God. Cinematic, so uh, ridiculous. Uh, what? Now, Where did that I come wonder from? about that. I drew. I truly wonder if the dialogue is is partly just like 
sacks fuck you to the whole situation. Yeah, a line like that is very, very possible. They somehow took the worst Joker ever to be put on film and made it worse. Like, (laughs) I don't know how you do it. And he was doing a Heath Ledger impression this time, which pissed me off even more. We talk about the big three when it comes to live action, Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. So we've got these Jokers who, as, as of right now, were so iconic that they only really did one attempt one take mm-hmm. like it's not like we came back and did another movie with jack Nicholson or whatever right so so that is kind of a, a testament to how important but also um like you don't want to overstay your welcome when it comes to joker batman dynamic right so you've got these really great uh experiences then you have an introduction of a joker that doesn't even end up interacting with batman and now he's supposed to be like this ongoing joker in a cinematic universe that really has no connection to Batman. Like it's all ancillary, right? So yeah, it's a good point. It just uh, so yeah. So and then and then you do this just to kind of give them that connection, and it falls horribly flat, if not uh, just yeah, kind just of like I said, useless. Yeah, yeah. And the so, whole like the the killing I'm gonna kill you part is to that bugs me so much because what I really find I always found interesting about Batman and Joker and their dynamic as much as I actually like harley quinn overall as a character more than the joker like i always find her especially when she's doing stuff on her own i always find it more fun i guess and i think that's part of the point but is that they need each other you know that's always the point that joker's making and batman never never wants to accept it right because he's his lone wolf he's mm-hmm. batman he doesn't need an evil guy you know all that kind of stuff but joker's right i mean like you don't have batman unless you have joker and then this is just like well no, he's throwing that out the window because he's going to fucking kill him. Like, I just, it th- like this epilogue overall makes this movie so much worse. And it's, yes. it's, it's yeah. so unfortunate because yeah. even though we've been, we've been ragging on different parts of it, especially myself for this, for this version of the movie that is superior to the first original version, obviously it's, it's a shame that this leaves this taste in your mouth because everything that he fixed, quote unquote fixed, or changed or improved upon almost almost fully gets wiped away because this is what you're left with. Like this is what you see and hear. And then after four hours, that's what you're going to remember the most. Yeah, exactly. It leaves that terrible taste in your mouth. It's a terrible taste. It. Like it's yeah. just so. It's, it's a so fair bad. point. But the question I guess I have is if, you, if there was no, not even a post credit, if it just ended after part six and there was mm-hmm. no epilogue, would you actually have an overall different opinion of the movie? Is my yes. question. Because so, really, though, because like I don't think the like they make it a point to say epilogue, not part seven. They're they're saying that this is kind of just like an appendix to the main plot of the film. Like this is just like a yeah. some messed up denouement or Return of the King extended farewell, uh, whatever it is. Right? Like it's there. There you can tell that he he arranged this film like an epic akin to Lord of the Rings, whether or not you want to compare it on that level of storytelling. Like that's the type of movie he was trying to make. I, I, I think there's something much different that, about a movie that's story is started and wrapped up nice in the entire movie than a movie that leaves you with a 15 minute long cliffhanger at the end. Do you like Ooh, the movie better? Is a really, a really nice way to put it, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I would like the movie a lot better. I, I think I would like it a little bit better. I am sort of separating the two, but because it just leaves you with that sour taste, like you said, um, I do think that, that 
it would make a difference, but I still don't think I'd be super high on this movie. Like, I really do think that this movie's still a mess. And I do think that, mm. you know, they, they didn't reshoot a ton of stuff. I think most of it was, was editing and a lot of it was um, visual effects and stuff, which, which look improved, I think for sure. Mm. And you can see that. Um, but that doesn't take away from what they did already shoot and put together still to me, doesn't make one to me, doesn't justify four hours of footage. Mm. I don't, you know, sure, you could split it into two and or make a three hour version, like you said before, Ian, and just sort of make that a little bit tighter. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I'm never going to watch this movie again, really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just never going to watch this movie again. I can like see that. myself watching scenes because he's, he's sure. a great visual sure. storytelling, visual director. And actually, it looked really, really cool and looked awesome. I, I mean, it looked cool when I could see it, but it was also super dark. It was a bit dark. It was, <laughs> it bit was dark. so dark. It was, <laughs> if I wasn't watching it in a dark room, I don't think I would be able to see 30% yeah. of this movie, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. That's part of the problem. But that's that was the movie before. Batman vs. Superman is kind of the same. Like, that's it's sort of that gritty style, I think, that you guys have both said. So that's part of it, I guess. But I still think that it needed a little bit more color. Again, where where I really liked Man of Steel, if you're saying that like his take on the characters is the fundamental issue of his films or his DC films, anyways, and you know that's that was inherent in the in Man of Steel movie. So if you if you didn't dig that portrayal and you didn't see that kind of dark reflection of Superman already from the beginning, then I don't know. That's it's also on you, right? No, so. that's <laughs> yeah. no, that's fair though. No, but you're right. You're right. It was set up uh six hours prior you know it's it's yeah. true it, it really was so you have that group with deathstroke and uh batman and knowing that the whole reason why that that's the group is because you've got another film you wanted to do about batman with deathstroke as the villain and then they were going to bring that into the fold and if this justice league movie is like the avengers movie where they thwart the immediate threat but there's this threat on the other side of the portal that's clearly going to come for revenge in dark side or Thanos from the Avengers perspective, like, yeah, you can see why he was trying to build towards this like epic sort of end game style um, film. But I mean, yeah. obviously we're never going to get there and it's kind of like, whatever you call it, like kind of uh, teasing the, the fan base in, in a sense, but it's also like, mm-hmm. just, you know what? I never thought I'd get to this point. I've got four hours of footage and all this extra stuff I was going to do. And I'm just going to, lay it all out there warner brothers give me 70 million so i'm gonna get jared leto grow out his yeah, hair but he, and, uh, he so this is the issue right he shot that entire epilogue scene with the money they gave him to finish this movie so instead of taking the money they give you to finish the movie you don't add it in to the actual plot of the movie you add the all the money they give you into an extra 15 minutes setting up a movie that's never going to happen you know what i mean that's just the fair just point and i will say that <laughs> if there's one positive thing or one thing that i thought was cool about the epilogue affleck looked fantastic he looked fantastic he looked like you know they've obviously filmed it recently and he looks like he's a lot healthier than he was in 2017 or 2016 or whatever so yeah it was it was great i i mean i mean hit seeing him in that interaction with martian manhunter was the best part of the epilogue yeah i didn't i didn't necessarily need martian manhunter in the film itself but him as a post-credit scene would have been pretty cool yeah. yeah, the fact that he's even in this movie. No, it oh, just didn't really make God. sense how he was there, but he has apparently like almost as much power, if not more, than Superman, and he Where didn't was really he? do the anything with it. Yeah. So that that that's kind of problematic. But if he showed up at the end 
being like, I've seen what you've done here to protect Earth and whatever, that would be different, right? Yeah, it would be different. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the movie is still messy. I think we all think it's a little bit messy, even though it is an improvement. And, uh, and you know, if you separate the epilogue from the rest of the, the I guess, three hours and three hours and 30 minutes or whatever it is, then, uh, okay, you know, you got yourself yeah, uh, a disaster bad. for 15 minutes and then you have yourself a mess for mm. <laughs> three and a half hours. Well, to Mike's point about... Improvement. Yeah, to Mike's point about watching a scene, though, like I would never necessarily watch 2017 Justice League again after. Oh, after this, no way. Recently, like it it came around last year, a year ago or something, where I watched it and reviewed it to see if I thought anything differently, and I still hated it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This this one, I don't have those like feelings of hatred that I had for Justice League. Um, I I just see the flaws, and you know, I can appreciate some of the things for what it is. And like Mike said, I, I, I could see myself watching portions of this version of it, but I like more so than I would ever go back to the original yeah. theatrical release. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's, that's, I mean, we, we, we jumped all over, but we, we kind of, I think we covered a lot and we sort of got our feelings off, off our chest. So now, um, unless for whatever unfortunate future that this movie comes up again, because of this, fucking epilogue that Mike said then maybe we can talk about it again otherwise man I got this off my chest and I just don't want to fucking see this movie again I'm not gonna lie (laughs) so and I I might watch a scene but I also watch random scenes on YouTube of really bad movies and uh this is just going to be another one maybe every once in a while so I'll just I think that's how I'm going to watch these portions (laughs) whether you're a fan of uh DC or comics or not or a fan of movies in general I'd like to think that our listeners are not any of those toxic fan base portion that uh, helped drive this movement. But to those people, I would say, get off your high horse. You know, these people are going to be toxic, whether or not they get what they want or not. So I don't think it's necessarily problematic that we got Zack Snyder's version because of the story behind it. I don't think it's one of these things you can look forward to an air cut and all these other things, just because fans are toxically demanding it. Like there was more behind this. There was a lot of positivity mixed in with the negativity there was the fact that snyder had this it was a very unique situation as opposed to just having another go at a movie yep that's true like the last jedi or something (laughs) yeah like uh, (laughs) minus the minus the epilogue i'm really glad he got to finish his version of the movie actually i just the fact that he took the money and filmed that epilogue is the biggest sin the movie yeah, made. it's just so unfortunate and, the reason reason and reasons why he had to leave the movie and then like yeah. this that part of it is what he had it's just like mm, i'm rooting the for the stars you, really like, aligned to give him that opportunity right and yeah. that's kind of what it's nice that he got was that so chance yeah that's what made this such a spectacle i think is which yeah and unfortunately yeah i just you mentioned the the toxic nature around the whole thing about getting it made and stuff but hey. you know what as a lover of Star Wars, we know that there's toxic, <laughs> oh, toxic, toxic yeah, fans out yeah, there. So Jesus. Yeah. It's here I am sitting here wearing my Star Wars shirt as we talk well, about Yeah, me too. I'm a <laughs> there, but, uh, Although that's, yeah. that doesn't say much because like 80% of my shirts are a version of this. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's something you could sit back and go, oh, it's slippery slope now. Like you're going to start bending to the will of fans because ultimately it's about the money. And I think that they made the choice because of the fact that they had this HBO Max release and they wanted to drive people to their that was uh, definitely streaming service. So yeah, yeah definitely that was definitely. And then, and then giving a bit of a redemption to Zack Snyder with that whole situation. So yep. it's good. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next with these characters because 
Wonder Woman's definitely coming back. I would assume Flash will come back in some way. Like, I don't know what their contracts are, but that'll be interesting. And it'll be interesting to see if Zack Snyder has some other idea that isn't DC related. And I'm sure it's going to get a whole lot of buzz because this he's happened. doing Army of the Dead for Netflix. That's what it was. So that's going to be dope. Something. That's cool. Okay. Um, yeah, that's going to be dope for sure. Hey, he's I, 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 I love like his stuff. version of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, so uh, Dawn of the Dead movie is actually is very fun. Yeah. With respect to this current iteration of the DCEU, I really do feel like it's going to end with the Flashpoint film and kind of hit the reset button in the way that maybe, I don't know, Days of Future Past tried to do with the X-Men films. And then right, right. Yeah, the Flashpoint storyline is really cool. <laughs> the Flashpoint storyline is kind of fun, so... Okay, gents, yeah. um, let's uh, let's call it, and we'll uh, get back to our good old back in my day stuff um, in the next week or two. Um, until then, Mike, uh, where's everyone finding us? What's the deal? Find us day back in on social media. The podcast is called Back in My Day. Find it on your podcast app of choice. And uh, back in my day, games on Twitch as well. We're trying to put up some of our, our uh, recordings, like this one, if you want to watch it as well. See big, three big dumb heads talking about Snyder Cut. Three <laughs> big dumb heads. Well, at least my, I know my head's big. It might not look like it on the camera, Speak but it's for huge. yourself. Yeah, my at head's least huge. dumb head has. I alcohol. have a small dumb head. <laughs> a small dumb head. <laughs> I have more space in here that is not being filled, though. So you know, <laughs> it's, there's well, that. <laughs> go uh, go another round with the Snyder Cut, and it'll be. Money yeah, film. it'll fill right up. Fill it up. Yeah, it's such sure. a deep movie. There's a lot to think it's about. just there's way too much going on, yeah. man. I just like maybe that was the problem. I just I didn't watch it twice. Yeah, so it you didn't, didn't understand fill. it. You I didn't just didn't get it, it guys. Yeah. Guys, I didn't get it. Actually, no, I didn't get it. Didn't get it. See, Dave, both their moms' names are Martha. So I don't know. I forgot you... about that. Oh, now it all makes sense. Oh, that's why he wants to kill Jokers because they're both their moms are both Martha. <laughs> all right gentlemen uh thanks for uh thanks for doing this and everyone thanks for listening we'll see you next time is this the joker's crowning jest find out tomorrow night same time same channel but be prepared. No help is likely to come. I make no mistake, I will fucking kill you.